Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 95. Let's roll. And folks, I got to tell you, we are absolutely killing it over here at the Undroppables. I seldom do any plugs, but man, we got some we got some really fun stuff coming down the line here. Uh, really exciting times for us as we start to grow a little bit, and so many new listeners. I can't I can't thank y'all enough for for joining this show and you know making it as popular as it's become. It's just uh, absolutely uh, flattering, and and uh, I'm grateful for it. But you guys are awesome. It's really the community. It's because I love dynasty football that this thing is going where it's going. It's just a lot of fun. I love football. I've always said that a million times. We have now um, started to have a little bit of a proof of concept over at Un- Undroppables Bets, UN Bets. I'm telling you, man, Brian O'Connell is making it happen. He's the sort of ringleader of that uh, that side of the Undroppables, and we're we're winning money. It's uh, it's like the Goonies when he's like, it's working. Uh, you know, it's working, man. This thing is working. We've got the machine moving. So if you want to win money, bet responsibly or whatever the fucking nonsense is, uh, the, 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 you, you know, the, the disclaimer, you know, what I'm talking about folks. Yeah. The, the long disclaimer after a betting site starts to tell you the betting thing, not valid in New Jersey and New Jersey, whatever, who gives a shit? What I'm saying is it's working. Y'all should join, join the Patreon. Uh, very, very inexpensive. You also get access to our full dynasty, um, you know, content as well as access to almost 30 members of the Undroppables team who are there to help you with fantasy, with football, with DFS, with betting. The whole works. Join. It's awesome. With that being said, also speaking of awesome, my guest today is the creator of the Fantasy 50. He's absolutely awesome. He's part of the team here at the Undroppables. Absolutely love this dude. You've heard him before. Valeli Salas. Vi, what is going on, buddy? Jax Falcone, so happy to be here. And let me just reiterate what you said. I am a uh, somewhat responsible gambler uh, when I'm winning. And let me just say, Brian and the Undroppable Bets crew is doing an amazing job. It's the summer. There's not a lot to do. Why don't you just win some money? Invest a little bit. Win money. You know, that's what I say. Yep, they're doing it right, man. Because they're yeah. they're also keeping their records. They're showing their 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 work. They're just showing you what the the pathway to what they're doing, and 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 it's like three months straight uh, of profit. Um, and people are catching on. They know what's going on, and you know it's it's not just like picking names out of a hat. There's a system. They're they're really working it, and that's what's so fun. He was sort of uh, you know in our analytics department, and and what better way to use analytics than to win money? So. You know, kind of, kind of the smart way to go. Speaking, hey, Vi, speaking of, you said responsible gambler. You know, I literally had the epif- this epiphany in the shower before coming on the show. I'm going, I'm playing poker again. I'm going back. I have an eight and a six year old. You know, I used to play at night, you know, before I had kids. And, uh, you know, I gave it up. I'm a good, I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. Like, I was like, you know, I'm going to, what am I going to, like, I got a 10 month old at home. I'm just going to, like, hey, honey, I'll be home at like two in the morning. I got to go play poker all night. Just take care of that kid. I'm sure you'll sleep fine. Like I couldn't do that. Nothing couldn't do like it. coming home in the middle of the night smelling like cigarettes and yes. alcohol. Uh, yes. You know, with a ten month or down. Infant. Especially if you're down, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I just lost uh, 750 bucks. Don't worry about it. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm playing. I'm going back. I'm going back to the well. I'm going to do it. It's uh, for those of you who, of course, like everybody who listens to this pod, degenerate gambling and yeah, the whole thing. It's a ton of fun. 
bet responsibly. Uh, also, you know, I used to, I, I don't know, do you ever play poker, Vi? You a poker guy? I I used to play poker when it got really big, you know, during yeah. during the early to mid aughts. And yeah. then I found I found my talent was more more conducive to blackjack. And then yeah. obviously fantasy football became a uh, betting and then college basketball. I love if we're talking gambling, I'll, I'll yeah. do that all day long. Uh, yes. That's my favorite. Um, but in terms of poker, I, I just I bluff too much. And yeah. people catch on after a while, and that's yeah. that's my downfall. So you have poker's to learn your limitations. A, poker's a game that if you know you're not good, you got to get out. Because uh, as I always say, and I've said this about a fantasy league too, it's the same thing. It's like twelve guys, same same thing. If you can't spot the fish, you just might be the fish. So uh, you know, if you're in your dynasty league and you can't tell which motherfucker is the worst player in there, you know. Go get a mirror. It's probably you. Yeah, it's probably you. That's right. But it's easy to it's easy to start figuring that out at the poker table because you're leaving early. You know. All right, guys, I'm gonna get going. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are, bro. See ya. See you next week, right? All right, buddy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've played many a home games that you know has lost uh, the the fresh meat, as we used to call it. You know, but hey, you know, I'm I'm bringing it back, Vi. That's all I'm saying. Speaking, I, I hope to be yeah, invited. One of oh, these sure. days, hell yeah, uh, man! I'll make Bring the a lot drive of money. up, and I'll, I might have to crash on the couch. Yeah, and then I might have to extend that couch visit once my wife finds out how much money I lost. But yeah, uh, the, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Well, I'll let you edge the the, the front yard or whatever. You, got, you know, something. <laughs> there's got to be something that can be done around here to earn it back. I don't know. There's there some stuff around. Some yeah. manual labor. Just 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 yes. elbow elbow grease. Yeah, earn it back. Yeah, my wife does laundry or whatever. I mean, there's stuff you could do. Don't worry about. It. We'll we'll let you we'll let you work it off for a few months rent free. Don't even worry about. It. We'll we'll figure something out. Uh, yeah, we're working out a deal right now. Speaking of working out a deal, let's get back to it, baby. Baker Mayfield is uh, traded to the um, the not the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns traded him to the Carolina Panthers, and uh, pretty interesting stuff. A fifth round pick. Baker actually paid part of the uh, part of his salary. He had to give some up just to make it all happen. I mean, wow! Uh, really sad times for the former one point oh one. Eh. Uh- yeah, that's an understatement. I don't think Baker <laughs> coming into the last year expected after coming off of the 2020-11 and 5 season that a year later he'd be out and Cleveland was moving on. Uh most people in Cleveland thought they were on their way to the Super Bowl and yep. how often do you get that type of hope in Cleveland? So It's true. It's all a wash now and I know we'll get to it later but uh, I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I, I, I've always been a big fan of him. I like his swag. I like ever since that video came up of him dancing in the circle as a walk on. Um, I've been a big fan of his, uh, unrelated. My firstborn son's name is Baker. Um, so that even gives me even more incentive to wish this man to have a great career. So a little personal yeah, side uh- note. As as long as it wasn't related, if you named him after Baker, you know, then it, then you start to feel a little bashful about the whole situation. You got to go backwards and be like, "Yo, listen, we might want to rethink this whole thing." I'm just kidding, but um, you know, uh, which is why I named my son after fictional characters like you know Leon Black, you know, from from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's no cooler guy, you know. So anyway, back to the back to the show. So I, I think I think Baker is like. Um, you know, I had him as my uh, quarterback one in that class. I think obviously wrong, you know, going back. But, you know, I don't know that it was that wrong. I think what we missed, though, and I think one of the things that 
you we see with Baker is he, he just has physical limitations, right? He doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't have uh, the the best athleticism. He does have that moxie. He and he also I feel like he makes like one or two just like what the hell was he thinking plays a game. Uh, sometimes it's just a ground ball like to the outside. Sometimes it's a pick six. You know, like I don't know. You know, he just makes a couple of perplexing plays. And he's just not prolific enough to let that be it. He kind of has to play like Drew Brees. I heard Michael Lombardi. Michael Lombardi, I listened to him today, man. He he was going after Warren Sharp. I was ready to, I was ready to hop in the radio. Sometimes you get in the radio, you're like you're ready to just fucking tell the guy to shut the fuck up. You just when he was talking about Warren Sharp, radio, I was ready. yes, you just yes. yell at the radio like no one else is in the car, and you're just yelling at yeah. the radio, and the you look over you and someone's staring at you really weirdly, and you're just yeah. like, man, I wish you could hear what I'm hearing. Yeah, man, you understand my pain. I, I was got mad. You. But what he did say was that, you know, and I agree, is like he, he has to play like Drew Brees. Drew Brees had those same physical limitations, but he was like perfect. You know what I mean? He was just perfect. And so Baker needs to be more precise with that, you know, sort of that adrenaline rush that he brings too. And uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, th- do you think Baker gives the Panthers any like genuine real hope at all? Well, I mean, if you're talking about general hope of making the playoffs, I don't think so. When you look at the the, yeah. the teams that made the playoffs in the NFC last year, I mean, is Carolina going to be over Dallas? No. Are they going to be over Tampa Bay? No. Who who in their league? Maybe, uh, the Philly was the lowest seed, and I think Philly got better in the offseason. So I don't see how Carolina jumps from five-win season all the way to a nine- or ten-win season with the addition of Baker. I mean, Agreed. they did get – uh, they did get Iquanu, who is yeah. going to stabilize that O-line, which is a great, and hopefully they have Christian McCaffrey back for a whole season. Right. But Baker, I think, is a fantastic quarterback. You know, he won more games in his rookie season than Cleveland did in the three years previously. So right. he can win games. He is a winner. Last year, he was injured for the majority. Yeah. And, and, and kids, for you out there, don't play through injuries because you end up like Baker Mayfield. True. Take the time off. Like I just read this story uh, about Anthony Davis who won't play in games unless he's a hundred percent. And some people might look at that as that's a detriment to him as a player. But on the other end, you're like Baker Mayfield who's getting kicked out the door because he had a bad season because he was hurt from week two on. So, yeah. you know, do long story short, I don't think there's hope in 2022, but I definitely think there's hope in the future when you look at the pieces that they have around him in in Carolina. Uh, so much young talent, and it's very similar to what Cleveland had in terms of an up-and-coming roster that they can form a nucleus around and be successful as they grow forward. And you look at Tampa Bay, they're on the way out. Uh, New Orleans is 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 in is kind of a rebuild. Same with Atlanta. So there's no reason why Carolina can't take over that once Tampa Bay kind of uh, turns over in in the South. You know, I was doing the um, <clears throat> my projections uh, today. I was doing. I, I didn't finish, so I I don't. I'm not going to review them yet. Probably next week or something like that soon. But like, I was doing them, and I was like, if you look at like Carolina. If you just take the top two weapons, which in this case would be obvious, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, if you take the top two weapons off every team, I think Carolina has the shittiest skill position, you know, players in the league after that. Like they're they're running backs. I mean, they're it's like Chuba Hubbard, Dante Foreman, like that's there's nobody behind them. You know, the Baker's limited. It's like Robbie Anderson was gonna retire. Terrace Marshall was a no show. Behind them, they have Brandon Zil- Zylstra. 
you know, Richard, I can't even say his name. I can say your name. I can't say his name. Richard Higgins, Andre Roberts. Like what the hell, man? Like you have to really dig deep. Shy Smith, maybe like what the hell, you know, they have, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's really ugly. They brought in like four rookie receivers, hoping someone is, you know, I don't know. They, they, they just don't have, you know, they're, they're, they're tight end. Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, Stephen Sullivan. Like you just look at their depth chart. It's not very good. So I think when you do that, the one thing I'm hoping is that, you know, DJ Moore can, can, can step up. I love DJ Moore. The question I have is with that limited of a, of a, of a depth chart, is it maybe time that to, to admit that like the whole world is too low on Terrace Marshall right now? So I would say this, just to comment on what you said, when you look at the NFC South, does Atlanta have better skill? They have Kyle Pitts, but who else in Atlanta They're terrible is there? Too. Yes. When you look they have at Pitts New Orleans, in London, but then they have like Alvin Brian, Kamara, they have Brian, Ed, Brian Lave, Edwards, which, I guess, yeah. which is a new guy. And Michael Thomas, yeah. if he ever plays again, you know, that whole NFC South is looking a lot like the AFC South where, you know, who knows what you have one team at the top and everyone else kind of bottom feeders. So, you know, I would say, are we back to your question? Are we low on Robbie Anderson? I mean, how low is low? <laughs> like, yeah. Robbie Anderson, true. Robbie Anderson garnered, you know, the seventh most targets for Carolina last year. Seventh. And he Jeez. was the starting slot receiver. Uh, you talk about I read I read a stat somewhere that said he had one of the lowest yards per route run out of any rookie since like 2014. Like the guy just and I picked him up in a couple of leagues because I expected something from him out of that. And, and when you look at what Carolina has, they have DJ Moore. Robbie yeah. Anderson came out late uh, recently on a tweet and said, you guys are trying to change the narrative. I don't want to be traded. I want to be here. So he's in there. So you have Robbie Anderson, you have DJ Moore, you have Christian McCaffrey is Terrace Marshall, the fourth target in Carolina. No. I don't know, yeah. but but like you yeah. said, with Carolina's offense, do you want to invest in the fourth best target in Carolina? I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Anderson was terrible. He had like five uh, five yards of target. I mean, it's like four point seven actually, four point seven yards per target. Like just to give you like running backs get more than that. Like it's just like it's really bad. Like Amir Abdullah had five point six. You know, what I mean? it's like what are you talking about? Um, yeah, that's really, really bad. So I think there's – but, you know, look, Darnold was bad there. I, I'm not sure. That's what I'm getting at. Like, Robbie Anderson was terrible. DJ Moore is dope. I mean, he is just so good. Like, we're just waiting for him to be used in a way where, you know, he can – I don't know. He, he just It's just really depressing watching DJ Moore. But I think he's still going to get, you know, 160 targets, 1,200 yards, and two touchdowns like he does every year. Um, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy. I saw the, the, the tweets – I saw the tweets from Hayden Winks, put him at the 1.01. Noah Hills was saying that if we knew Christian McCaffrey would stay healthy, then he would be the 1.01. So at the 1.02, you're assuming he's going to be healthy, right? You know, you're going to drive him at the 102 thing, he's going to be hurt. So why isn't he the 1.01? So there's been this sort of pressure building, even before the Baker trade, to move Christian McCaffrey to the 1.01 and redraft and best ball and everywhere else. Are, are you following that or what do you think about that? I think I think what, I, what I'm looking at in terms of reading the tea leaves with Carolina, they brought in Dante Foreman. They still have Chuba Hubbard. I feel like they're going to take a conservative approach to McCaffrey this year. And I think what Baker Mayfield does 
is that not a, not a lot of people talk about is he is a down-the-field thrower. He's one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the NFL, uh, second in completions on deep passes over 20-plus yards. So when you're talking about uh, a quarterback and the change of guard, you're not going to see a lot of those check down and dump offs to McCaffrey and say, hey, go do something with the ball. I think it changes the offense a little bit. And I see them not giving McCaffrey 400 touches. I see I see a more conservative approach. But given his talent, I think, you know, he is I think he's RB number two behind Jonathan Taylor. Right now, I say RB number three. I like Najee Harris over over Christian McCaffrey based on the situation in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I do like I do like McCaffrey. I think you can't hold injuries against running backs. They're fluky, um, bad luck. We saw Dalvin Cook emerge from his running back history to be, to produce. So I I don't see why Christian McCaffrey can't do the same thing in Carolina. Mm. Well, I, I do like it. I wonder sometimes, I mean, I've got a fair amount of exposure to CMC as I kind of traded for him in the number of uh, dynasty leagues last year. Uh, some at the height and some at the, at the, on the low side, I kind of dabbled a few times. I, 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 I bought a couple of opportunities at that, like the ceiling. And then was like, when he got hurt, I was like, well, oh, he's still good. I might as well double down and buy some cheap shares too. So I've kind of got a few of him and I didn't really have much of him heading into last year, but now I've got a pretty good exposure to CMC and it's pretty exciting because, you know, <clears throat> when healthy, he is such a weapon because he's such a pass catcher, you know, out of the backfield and even, you know, out wide and in the slot. I mean, he, he probably could be an NFL wide receiver. There's very, very few running backs who you could be like, yeah, they probably could be a, an NFL wide receiver. He might be one of them who could play the slot full time for a team uh, with his skill set. So he, he's that dynamic. Uh I, I, I still can't get my head around what the hell is going to happen, you know, after uh, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's just really hard for me. Like, is is Robbie Anderson going to get another 110 targets on 500 yards? Like, I, I certainly hope not. That's why I wonder if it's Terrace Marshall. He's the only sort of name I even know. I mean, all the other guys are are guys that have no experience in the NFL and, you know, certainly no, no valuable experience. So very, very interesting to see where those – targets after the the copious targets you know let's just say that you know it's 170 dj more and 110 that's still 280 they're going to pass the ball 500 times there's going to be some targets to go around someone's going to do something i just don't know who and a lot of times when you think that it's probably 40 targets to all these shit bags and nobody does nothing so that's probably the answer but it's just really ugly and there is room for someone to step up, whether it's Robbie, whether it's Shy Smith, whether it's, you know, some unknown or whether it's Terrace Marshall, there is room for them to step up. And I would be taking little shots uh, inexpensively on this depth chart because I, I, I just, you know, someone could pop. And for those, I just want to go back because for those of you who didn't catch it, there was a palpable, like when you said, Hmm, I could hear like the confliction in your voice about Christian McCaffrey, where you you just were like, I don't know how to to deal with Christian McCaffrey, and you are not alone. I feel like everybody is one of those things where it's like, either he is going to take you to the moon, or he's going to take you to the trash. Like yeah. the investment that you have to make on McCaffrey is something where you just have to either say, screw it, I'm all in, or 
no, I'll take the lumps if he goes, because that's what we've seen the last two years. And, you know, when he's playing, he's averaging his average fantasy points per game is the tops in the league. So you either say I'm all in and gamble on it, gamble responsibly, (laughs) or you decide, no, I'm good being more conservative with my picks and, and, and maybe gamble somewhere else. So, yeah, but when it talks about, you know, Terrace Marshall, I, I I feel like Robbie Anderson's decline was more due to the quarterback than than to Robbie Anderson. He is a deep threat. That's been his game. So I think I I hope I think that Robbie Anderson will see uh, an inc- an uptick in production and efficiency next year. Can't get if worse. He has the same amount of target. No, it can't. That's that's for, that's for damn sure. It can't get yeah, worse can't. than a hundred targets and fifty receptions or whatever it was near there. <laughs> yeah. And five hundred and ten, like, hundred and ten, yeah, hundred and ten targets on five hundred and nineteen yards. It's really pitiful. Um, you know, I will say this about CMC: when you have a, a fantasy football team and you put Christian McCaffrey in the RB one slot, it feels good. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like all this prognostication, you might get hurt. My da da da. When you're like, when it's game time, nine fifty five a.m. in the morning, and you're like, oh look, Christian McCaffrey. Huh, I guess I'll play him this week. Like that feels really good because you know you got a shot to fucking go nuclear. There is very few players where you can look, as you said, at nine fifty five, and they're <laughs> active. At, we're on the West Coast, so the game started a little early for us, but they're active, and you're like, oh, that's a fucking home run. Like, yeah, that's, that's great. That's he could get me the the bottom is like twenty points. Yeah, the, I was gonna say he's gonna get you twenty. Like, yeah, yeah, the 40. ceiling is yeah. like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no other player like him. Maybe Jamar Chase, but his bottom <laughs> was still you know five yeah, he, ten yeah. points. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody yeah, who crazy. has that 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 floor. Yeah, it's great. It's really really fantastic. I mean, even JT sometimes you know I mean he scored a touchdown in like every game, which basically buoyed his his floor to like almost twenty, but. Yeah, it, it, CMC is that player. So, hey, so we're going to move on to the Cleveland Browns next, and I'll ask you this way to transition. Oof. In in Dynasty, this is a good question because it's really it, – it'll test your mettle on Terrace Marshall to see where you're at. In Dynasty, who would you prefer, Terrace Marshall or Donovan Peoples-Jones? I hate this question so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad, right? It's like It's like something where you're like – it, it, it makes me think of Shawshank Redemption where they're like, he traveled through this amount of shit to get to yes. the other side. And yep. that's what it feels like to have to choose between these two with Cleveland's situation and, and Terrace Marshall. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like you have to go with Terrace Marshall as much as mm. I, da- I just said, I'm down on him. I uh, Jacoby Brissett is not a guy I can hitch my wagon to. And after that, like, do you really trust Deshaun Watson to play a game based on all these allegations? I don't. I don't yeah. see how the NFL can do that. So then you're waiting for Cleveland to draft another quarterback who may be there. And is Donovan People Jones still there by the time they get a new quarterback who's competent enough to run that offense? So Terrace Marshall had 30 targets last year. Um, hopefully by year three, he'll have 70. And then you're talking about a somewhat competent receiver that can win you some some le- some some weeks. So I'm going to go with Terrace Marshall only because Cleveland is yucky right now. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. I wonder what they're going to do for this this this, this uh, suspension. By the way, it was a dirty question, really, really dirty because <laughs> people do like Donovan Peoples Jones, but the the sort of 
opportunity and the the draft capital thing with Terrace, you're like, man, I really, I know I should be picking Terrace Marshall, but I don't want to pick the pile of poo over the the puddle of poo. So which one do I do? I mean, at least I can hold this one or whatever. Yeah, it's really a bad choice. And, um, and but, but I would say, I would say, I'm sorry to, I know you're going somewhere, but I would say this: that the only thing where people are going to probably go for Donovan People Jones is he came out of nowhere last year when some receivers were hurt, where there was high expectations for Terrace Marshall. So I understand yeah. why people would be higher on Donovan People's Jones totally because of that. You know, because you, he did you're something. Thinking about- <laughs> Yes, exactly. He's done something. Yes. Yeah. The answer should be Donovan Peoples-Jones. And that's kind of like, this is that thing where it's like, you're just basically, that's what I'm saying. Like Terrace Marshall should be dead. And, but here's the thing that, that depth chart makes him alive. And I don't know what to do about it. Like, you know, that's how bad it is. He's so bad. He should just be not in the league, like, or whatever. Like it was awful last year. So we'll see. Maybe it was just a rookie thing. We'll see, man. We'll see. Um, but, uh, when you talk about the Browns, I've got some takes on this, but I'm going to ask you this question before I go there on a scale of one to 10, how, how do you think the Browns have played the off season now with the Baker trade, the Deshaun signing, just the whole thing. Negative one kajillion. <laughs> That's what I think of what they've done. The, I, you, like, I, I'm, I'm not hyperbolizing when I say the Browns and their fans had, championship expectations coming into 2021 they went in they were 11 and 5 went to the playoffs came in challenged the chiefs in week one one of the best games of week one and probably the first half of the year and then baker got hurt in week two and the wheels fell off and they panicked they panicked and said we need to go get the guy who at that point had about 24 allegations of sexual abuse and said, we're going to hitch our wagon, give him 200 something million dollars. And, and that's what we're going to do. Now you trade the guy who the entire city was behind. Like nobody was down on Baker from where they were before they drafted him and to where they were after they drafted him. And now you, and I know Cleveland fans who have said, I'm looking for a new team. I don't want mm. to be a part of this. this is Cleveland. They made right. it through 0-16, 1-15 those years. And now they're like, no, I'm done with this franchise. And so when you talk about the offseason and now they're talking about maybe trading Kareem Hunt. So you're going to trade not only your, your franchise quarterback, but you're going to trade potentially your second best asset. You've already lost Jarvis Landry. Although Beckham you traded. There's literally nobody left in Cleveland outside of Miles Garrett. That's what you yeah. got. That's it. So yes, yeah, it, one got, it got bad. Got bad quick. It's true. It got yes. real bad real quick. And you know they they definitely pinned it on Baker. Um, you know who who knows? I mean, like I said, Baker to me, like I've seen the good Baker. I mean, we remember after first of all his college career and then his rookie season, one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Literally, literally one of the best rookie seasons of all time. And you're right. Got him to that, you know, that eleven and five finish. The game in in Kansas City. Granted, uh, Mahomes got hurt, but regardless, I don't give a shit who's the quarterback on a in a road game in Kansas City. Is not an easy place to play. They almost pulled it out. They didn't. Um, but you know, I think I think you're right. I think that after that, it was really bad. Here's what I wonder about this. Like also doing projections for for Cleveland was really difficult. And I think, you know, for the most part, I'm a stay away from this team. I think I'm going to get there with you, but like, I'm kind of a stay away with this team. Um, 
they were talking about like uh, Deshaun Watson being suspended a full year. I think that's very reasonable and 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 probable. But then there was like a little bit of scuttlebutt, and I think there was it was leaked into the media a little bit. Like, oh, there, it's possible it could be eight to ten games. There, you know, it's possible because of the precedent of this and that and whatnot. And I wonder if they'd have the balls to do like a eleven or twelve game suspension just to see if like they can get them there and if you know to the playoffs type of thing. Like if they're like you know six and five or something, you know, and it's like, well, we got a shot. Let's, let's roll with Deshaun, see if we can make a, make a push. And if they're, if they're terrible, they can sort of shelf him. I wonder if they do that just to pro, like protect the Browns as a possibility. You know what I mean? I wonder if they do that. Cause I mean, you know, there's a lot of backdoor negotiations with this thing, all parties included. Yeah. And I would say, and I would say this, like, and, and, and Jax, I'm going to just say right now, it's like, it's important that we that we acknowledge, and I've said it already, that Deshaun Watson, I think the number is up to 26 or 28 sexual allegation, sexual abuse allegations. I think he's settled 20 to 24 of those at this point, but four yeah. more, I think, are going there. So here's how I feel. Ray Rice, because that's the best example I can do. Ray Rice was suspended two games. The film came out, and I want to say he never played a game again. Yeah, I know. So bad, and, dude. And they hired they hired an internal investigator. They Mueller, the same guy who did the Russian investigation, handled the investigation for Ray Rice. They did a full-fledged investigation on Ray Rice onto what happened there. Yeah. Now you're telling me with Deshaun Watson, I don't see how the NFL plays this. Remember, Ray Rice had two games. Now you're saying and and let's let's and a similar allegation Trevor Bauer got 2 years with MLB yeah and that was one allegation right I, if you're comparing apples to apples and sexual abuse allegations and Trevor Bauer got 2 years i don't see how Deshaun Watson can get anything more than a year and and so you're obviously reading the tea leaves and seeing what the NFL is going to do and do they give Cleveland a kind of uh go i think uh, the NFL's only obligation is to how bad the blowback is going to be on this. They don't really care about the allegations. They don't care. All they care about is how it's going to look in public perception. Sure. And, and, and and Goodell is hired by all 32 owners. So it's, there's going to be pressure from the other owners, but there's also pressure from that owner. You know, I just think it's very interesting. And, I you, I don't really, you know, I, I'm sure I, you know, I don't know even what happened. I don't read a ton. I know you've shared with me, Hey man, if you ever want to hear what happened and I, I just have a hard time reading that. We talked about this actually pre-show, not, not about Deshaun, but about just how I, you know, cocoon my life and just, you know, try to live happy. I don't need to hear about it, what the piece of shit this guy is, but you know, whether he is or isn't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I have a dynasty podcast. What do you want me to do about it? You know, uh, like I, I'm not going to fucking fix the world, but like if he's, yeah, he probably should be suspended a full year. I don't think they'll do more than a full year. I'm just wondering if they've got the stones to do a little less than, than a year. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with this team, but let's say that, let's say that it's at least 10 games, if not the whole season, if not, even if it's 12 or 13 games, it might be the whole season. Cause they're like, let's just fucking shelf this motherfucker. You know, we don't want the, uh, the problems will wait a whole nother year before we get them on the field, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Cause there's going to be a vividness to when this motherfucker walks on the field, especially on the road, he's going to get booed. There's going to be all sorts of, 
cameras and microphones in his face. You know, there's going to be a lot of that shit. It's going to happen, you know? Obviously, the the network broadcast will stay the fuck away from it, but everybody else will be talking about it. You know, they're going to be like, uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, that's, that's going to be the best. I can't wait for the squirmy fucking, you know, booth reporters who are like trying to stay away from the fact that whatever, you know, that'll be fun. But I think everybody else is kind of a stay away. But you know what? Other than Nick Chubb, all of their ADPs have been suppressed. Nick Chubb, RB12 in best ball right now, with that crowded running back room, I, I'm never I'm never drafting him. How, how about you? What do you feel about this running back room? And, and, and I suppose the next question I'm going to ask is this, are you expecting a hunt trade? This all works together. What do you think about this running back room? I, I will just say this. I, I love Nick Chubb at RB12. Um, I think if when he's healthy – he is probably the second best running back in just terms of running the ball. Like a guy who doesn't catch the ball, like you talk about Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, that they are able to sustain fantasy value and RB1 status. The fact that they don't catch the ball speaks to how efficient they are. And Nick Chubb, with that offensive line and with a quarterback who we, for all intents and purposes, is going to be Jacoby Brissett, means they're going to lean on the run a little bit more. I was reading some Cleveland reports that they're trying to put uh, both Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield at the same time. Uh, It seems to me that they're going to be a continue with their run first offense. So if that be the case, I like Chubb at running back 12. I would take that all day long in terms of value and what is possible with that offense and what we've seen from him in the past into what he's I want to say two years ago he was a top five running back he was drafted as a top running top five running back last year but I think he missed some time but with that offensive line uh, a change in quarterback doesn't change his value he is impervious to who's who's playing quarterback he's going to get his touches running the ball so I like Chubb and I like Hunt I I don't think they trade him I don't see how Cleveland can trade their starting quarterback and they're starting wide receivers and they're starting running back because Kareem Hunt is basically de facto 1B in starting running back. So I don't know how you can get rid of all your top tier talent in one offseason. So I feel like they have to hold on to Kareem Hunt for mere uh, just, you know, for the outside view of looking in on that franchise. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm going to tell you something. This is just this is just funny how this goes. Like, so I was doing my projections, right? And uh, I'm gonna tell you what I've got for Nick Chubb. So I've got like 240 carries, uh, 1150 yards, rushing, ten uh, nine touchdowns, excuse me, and then 19 catches with another touchdown. So 10 total touchdowns, only you know 25 targets. I, I, it's not crazy. It's about what he gets. You know, so that ended up right around 200 uh, fantasy points in PPR, okay? And then I just did another team, and then I noticed the guy who's like one point ahead of him in my projections is Tony Pollard. And I'm like, what? what? I'm like, how? I must have fucked something up. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, Tony Pollard. I've got him for 160 carries, 780 yards, five rushing touchdowns. I don't know. I don't think that's crazy. 62 targets. 48 catches and three more touchdowns. That's about 200 points. It's like, I'm, I, you know, I'm just saying like 
he really has to smash. You know, the the other year, the the year he had, uh, he had twelve rushing touchdowns. The year that he was whatever RB seven or whatever, and so that's my only sort of concern with him. He's so solid. And by the way, I think he's probably the best pure runner in the league. I agree with you. He's quarterback proof. He's fucking everything proof. He's just so good. So this isn't a Nick Chubb thing. This is a fantasy football take. Uh, about Chubb, I, I'm I'm excited to see the rest of my projections. Get them done. I'll tweak them too. I'll go back and do them again, and you know, move things around and and see where they end up. But it was just alarming. Like I wasn't trying to like do anything to either guy. You know what I mean? I was just like, all right, let's see. And you know, that's that's where it came up. You know, and so with a guy like that <clears throat> who could easily outscore him just because he catches passes. Uh, it scares me with Chubb that he that he might not. And if they keep Kareem Hunt, that sort of suppresses his total carries, you know, because he he also saw like almost 300 carries before, um, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt was there. And in the last two years, he hasn't seen that type of production or, or or opportunity. So for those reasons, I'm still a little bit concerned with Chubb. I think he's a very safe pick, but I don't think he's going to give you you know top five ceiling. So I would say this. Like, if you look at the last two years, if you look at last year, Nick Chubb played in 12 games. He was 11th in PPR points. PPR, 11th. And you're talking about his limitations. He he was also, in terms of standard leagues, he was 8th in, in final standings. He was 5th in, in fantasy points per game. He played 12 games last year. And if you're talking about... PPR, which is what most people play now, and and his limitations are are exposed in that in that scoring system. Yeah. He was still RB eleven last year, playing twelve games. Twelve games. If he plays a full season, he is he's easily a top ten player. And yeah. so I know a lot of people are always turned off with Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb because they don't they don't receive the receiving work. But there were a Nick lot of injuries Chubb. last year. That that's a little bit of a, a, a the, the running the running back raw number there. I thought was a little bit misleading. You know, McCaffrey got hurt. Um, you know, Henry got hurt. There was a lot yes, of guys. A lot of people who, got hurt. You know, so hurt. I, I, that, yeah. that was a tough year to to Swift got hurt. Like there was a lot of injuries. You know, um, to top backs that really kind of changed the landscape. But anyway, I, I get your point. Look, he's a stud, and and I'm I'm with you there. Um, but uh, I, I, just, I think there's enough I'm, risk, I, you know? I like the two running backs in that. I, I'm staying away from every receiver uh, tight end in that offense because Jacoby Brissett is somebody who is not going to get you over 100 yards. <laughs> he's going to get you 50 yards a game, and yeah. he's going to spray that ball to whoever's open five yards or less. So I'll take yeah. the running backs, but keep me away from those receivers unless you're talking like – you know, a dynasty and David Bell, who I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yes. That's I'm with you there too. Like, yeah. I love David Bell, <laughs> but like, you know, we'll we'll get to Amari a little bit later too. But like, Amari has been falling and falling, and rightfully so. I mean, look if if you told me Deshaun Watson's playing 17 games, I want Amari all day long at his ADP right now because he's like like wide receiver 31 on underdog best ball, which is like crazy. But with Jacoby Brissett, it's like I'll fade him farther than that. Like that, it makes such a big difference especially for a guy like Amari who, you know, is a, 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 a route running savant downfield player, you know, that, you know, Brissett's just not able to access those types of throws uh, multiple times a game. He's, he's a dink and dunker and, you know, just has a hard time commanding the pocket and stepping up and making big throws. This is not who he is, you know, um, he's a game managing, you know, rugged guy who could like, you know, 
you know, that's what he is. So it's going to be really bad. And I'm with you, like DPJ, same thing, Schwartz, same thing. But they're so cheap. They're like, you know, dice rolls anyway. But like the David Bell, I'm with you. Um, Njoku is so like interesting. Uh, speaking of Njoku, so for 2022, just this coming season, David Njoku or Noah Fant? Yeah, I, I don't know how I should feel about you keep giving me these type of questions. First, you had the Terrace Marshall versus DPJ, yeah. and now I'm getting Noah Fant versus David Njoku. How about like yeah. a like a Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews question? But no, you give yeah. me the Fant versus Njoku. And I would say this, okay? I looked at Brissett's numbers in Miami in a couple of games that he started. And basically, he does not have a favorite receiver he sprays the ball every year. There's a new target leader and, and you can't trust him. What I can trust is there is a connection. There is an understanding. There is a familiarity between Noah Fant and Drew Locke, who is the purported starting quarterback in Seattle. So I like that familiarity. I think Fant is a better tight end than the Joku. I like Njoku, but I think Fant is better. So if I'm choosing between Brissett and Njoku or Fant and Locke, I'm going to choose Fant because also I look at the other receivers in Seattle with Lockett and Metcalf, and I look at what Locke and Geno Smith do, and I think there is going to be a lot more let's give it a short intermediate route (laughs) to – Fant rather than trying to hit Lockett or D or DK down down deep. So that's that's my that's my thought process, and that's why I would say Fant I like better than. And let's say and let's let's just be honest. Uh, Carroll uh, has proven himself to be a 1980s type of football player who wants to get the big guys the ball and let them rumble yeah. with it. So that's what that's why I'm going with Fant. Give me Fant. Yeah. It's- it's those. become a it's become a thing when I go from team to team. I ask a you know, a, a, would you rather this guy or that guy from the team we were just talking about to the team we're about to talk about? We're about to talk about Seattle Seahawks, and you know, uh, which is you know, you're right. I did give you a tough one. I do think you made the right answer, though. I do think it's Noah Fant. Um, I think the the ceiling is a little bit higher. Uh, hopefully, for a, a, a team that's able to move the ball a little bit better, even with Geno Smith or Drew Locke than it will be with, you know, um, with uh, Jacoby Brissett. So I, I agree with you. And the reason I want to talk about the Seahawks was because it kind of affected the Baker news. Like the other team that was supposedly in the Baker talks was the Seahawks. But I don't believe for a damn second they were because if they were, what, they weren't willing to give one fourth round pick then and like pay – half the salary like what what would they have like they didn't have to beat anything like this is a fifth round pick and like everybody's forfeiting salary out the wazoo like they could have got him for like just the salary and a six round pick probably would have guaranteed would have done it like this was all about money so if they really wanted his ass they could have had him that much i feel like is for sure so i don't think there was there were ever really in this baker sweepstakes do you agree I completely agree with you, and and that's mainly because not only what you talked about, but they just traded Russell Wilson to Denver for Drew Locke. And if you wanted to trade Russell Wilson, and wouldn't you have like shopped around and seen, hey, (laughs) is Baker Mayfield available? 
for maybe some more or less. And so you're telling me that Drew Locke and Noah Fant are better assets than what big, what Cleveland could have provided. And so I, I'm with you there. I think, I think Seattle traded for Drew Locke. They're all in, well, quote unquote, all in with Drew Locke. Um, and so, no, I don't think they ever were in there in that sweepstakes because they're not interested in passing the ball. They want to run the ball. So yeah. why, after trading for Drew Locke, are you going to trade for another quarterback uh, when you've already made your intentions clear that you want to run the ball more? Well, you just said they're all in with Locke, and I, I, I know what you mean. They're not like all in, like, this is our guy, Super Bowl, <laughs> here we come. <clears throat> I did I did make fun of them, though. I think it was Seattle. Yeah, it was Seattle. There was like a video of them in like the OTAs or whatever, and they were like uh, – they, they would break it down. They'd be like, break it down. One, two, three. And they were like saying like Super Bowl or something like that. I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why do you guys think like, honestly, like, like you have to be, you're an adult. Like, it's one thing if you're like, people are like, well, you have to have hope for your team. I'm like, no, you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, these are adult men who are professionals. They're paid millions of dollars. They can't figure out that Drew Locke's not going to be a fucking Super Bowl quarterback. Like, they don't need to, they don't need to be, they're experts in their field. They know that. But yet somehow they're like Super Bowl. I thought it was ridiculous. Anyway, if you had to guess how many starts for Geno Smith and Drew Locke in 2022, like where would you put the over under for both of them? This is a really you really tough question because I have I, the, I have my answer. You do because I yeah. feel like there's ego involved in this, mm-hmm. and I feel like it reminds me of when they drafted Russell Wilson. And they also gave that huge contract to Matt Flynn. Flynn, yeah. Where there was a point where they said, "Look, Russell Wilson is miles better than uh, than uh, than Matt Flynn." Right. So my feeling is is that the familiarity is Geno Smith is there, and I feel like they're going to throw Drew Locke out there because there's a better chance of. There's a bigger variable. Like they know what Geno yes. Smith is. Geno Smith yes. is a backup. He is a, he is a career backup at this point. Yeah. So I think you you see what Drew Locke is. So I have it at uh, in a 17 game season. I yeah. have it. I have it 10 seven. That's Drew what, Locke to yeah. Geno. Do you have it? As- <laughs> yes. I swear to God, 10 seven. 10 7. I agree 100%. 10 7. It's like 10 7. Right now, people are so pissed that we didn't give a fucking single game to Jacob Eason or whatever stupid name is. He's the <laughs> tallest one by far. Like, he's definitely the taller of the three. So maybe, you know, he gets a start in there. Maybe it's 9 and 7 and 1 for Eason, uh, the, the week 17. Um, but yeah, dude, I totally agree. I think it's like Locke is like going to be given his opportunity, but he's very likely to fail, right? (laughs) Three and seven, two and eight. And they're like, all right, Gino, just, you know, fucking just go out there and don't do the shit he's been doing, please. Just don't embarrass us, Gino. That's what they're going to do. At one point, they're going (laughs) to just be like, hey, we're making a change, Gino. Just don't embarrass us. Keep it close. It could be the yo-yo too. How about the yo-yo where it's like, they're like one and four. They're like, Gino, get in there. And he plays two games and it's awful. They're like, no, get back out here. Lock, you're in there. And he's bad. And they're like, Gino, get back out! Like this whole thing, I I want that. That's what I want. That was that was my first. I was going to go nine and eight at yeah. first because I that's how I vision where they just start one guy one week and they're like, oh, we're going to start the next guy Fuck next this. week and they just yeah, <laughs> it's just like we're run run going to run the ball. Who can hand the ball off best? Who has the cleanest center to quarterback? <laughs> 
transition that they can pat they can go from the center to the quarterback to running the ball um <laughs> before dk and good Lockett handoff drew good trades. handoff yes, drew yes good. i need good form i need a positive attitude and to speak to your other point that's what it was like when when team uh team breaks they don't they'll say like family or <laughs> right. team unity or something like that yes, like that's fair that's not based on results yeah, because don't go results-based when you're the fucking Seahawks. Yeah, who the fuck yeah. are you kidding? Yeah, just say, yay, we're the good good brothers. We're, we're together in this fucking shitstorm. And but, Seattle yeah. is just like the perfect example of how quickly things can just the, – the, 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 the cloth can get pulled – the rug can get pulled off under you. It's like yeah. not so long ago we were talking about Seattle as a potential dynasty, and here we are, and Carol's still there, but Seattle like – it's going to be a long time before you guys are back in there, buddy. I hate to break it to you guys. Yeah, especially in the West there. Um, yeah. So here's a, here's a good – I love this question, by the way. I don't I, – I, 2022. Okay. You're, you're, you're drafting like I say – so for 2022, we're talking redraft. Now, redraft, I think – you know, it's funny. We, we, we talk about redraft on this team, like – I mean on this, on this podcast because I think sometimes it's like what happens this year will affect – Dynasty, like dynasty, is people are always like, "Well, I don't like them this year, but I like them in dynasty." Well, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> right? That just means that you think that he's not quite good, but he might be. Like, it's just a fucking weird thing to say. Like, if you really think someone's good, then they're probably going. It's like the Nick Chubb thing. When Nick Chubb came in, I was like, "No, Nick Chubb this year, right now." And like his rookie year, they were like they handed it to him like three times. He'd have like three carries for 120 yards, and you know, you're like, uh, maybe you should play his ass. And then finally, they played him. Javante Williams, I felt that way. It's like, no, no, this year, I understand that it's not going to be a great year, but now here we are with Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny. For 2022, at their cost, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny, or neither? So, first of all, I would say to your earlier question is that when people say, I don't like him in redraft, I like him in dynasty, it's yeah. kind of like when you're out with somebody who says, oh, I don't think she's cute, but I like her for you. That's how I feel when I hear <laughs> yeah. something like that, where it's like, yeah, yeah you you, you want to be yeah. political about it. You don't want to make it seem like, you know, it's like she's cute, but and not for me. And that's what I feel like. It's yeah. like every draft. I'm like, right. I don't want them, but I don't want to seem like I don't want them. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, they're nice. They got a nice family. Yeah, yeah exactly. Their sister was in my brother's class. They were nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Walker and Penny, I think I, I kind of envisioned because of how much they're leaning on the run, I kind of envision a Denver scenario where you have a a, a split between yeah. Penny and Walker. So if you're talking about Walker who's going several rounds ahead of Penny, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Penny just because yeah. I in, and you know, you might get an injured penny, but they've yeah. they've committed to Penny for a while now. So I, I definitely see a fifty fifty split with those two. And if that's the case I'm going to go with Penny because he yep. showed what he's capable of doing towards the end of last year. And so I'm going to take Penny with that. Yeah. I like Walker and dynasty, but not so much this year as well. No, I'm just, I, it's kind of true. <laughs> I mean, I get it's kind of true, but it, it's true. Like I think Kenneth Walker, and, and you can say this about running backs coming in, like even that Chubb year, he was suppressed by opportunity. Javante Williams last year and maybe this year, I, although I don't think so. I did my projections for Javante. And uh, I think it's a little bit more of a 65-35 this year for Javante than it was last year, 50-50 in most cases. Sometimes he was the 45-55. He was the 45. So 
I think that does happen naturally with this team though. It like the, the neither is there for the fact that it's like, well, this offense is going to suck. We just talked about how it's going to be fuck this with the quarterbacks every other week. So it, that's where neither comes from. And I, I think it probably could be neither, but I think, I think you're right insofar as like if Rashad Penny's going to be cheap, he has, he has, you know, 60, 40, backfield upside in this backfield with a lot of handoffs and he does have injury risk and downside. So I'd be looking to, to maybe take Penny and a few, you know, sort of light running back builds uh, here and there. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I almost think it's a little bit neither for 2022, um, but I love Kenneth Walker for dynasty. Uh, <laughs> it, it, what about the wide receivers? You mentioned them both earlier. Um, you know, DK Metcalf going at wide receiver 24. This is a uh, um, uh, underdog best ball. So DK at wide receiver 24, Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 45. You like either one of those guys at that ADP? Uh, yeah, I would say I like Tyler Lockett at that ADP based on the fact that he finished as wide receiver 22 last year. So yeah. you're, and which is, I don't understand. I don't have, I don't understand how DK Metcalf was wide receiver 21 last year. And his ADP only dropped three spots to wide receiver 24, but Tyler Lockett, his ADP doubles. Yeah. And so if I'm choosing between those, do you think there's literally a three-spot difference between Russell Wilson and Drew Locke or Geno Smith in terms of getting Drew, DK Metcalf the ball? And somehow yeah. that affects Tyler Lockett that much. So I don't <laughs> yeah. like I don't like DK Metcalf at his ADP. I don't think he can sustain that. Uh, given what they have said they're going to do and given who's throwing the ball. But I do like Tyler Lockett at at that ADP because now you're talking about somebody who's going up against guys who who really are not at the level of what of what he's capable of doing. So if you're if you're having me choose between those two ADPs, I'm gonna take Tyler Lockett all day long. Totally. I totally agree. Like, you know, I was looking for these two in, uh, in, in, uh, underdog best ball. And I'm like, I, th- I thought Tyler Lockett was down there a bit, but I would have guessed like 38 or late 30. And I was like, where the fuck is he? Did I pass him? I went back up. Then I went, I was like, holy shit, he's way down there. So yeah, I agree. I think Lockett's a smash button at four, wide receiver 45. I mean, he he's going to be starting. He's going to play every down. He's super efficient when he's targeted and, yeah, he's probably not going to be as efficient, obviously, with with uh, with one of these shit bags than he was with one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. But I'm with you. That doesn't mean that he just becomes an absolute nobody, and DK is still basically the same player. So I'm with you. That that <clears throat> that wide receiver sort of twenty to twenty five. There's a lot of interesting decisions, and one of the most polarizing, interesting decisions that is being made. I feel like it's just my place to do this. This is what I do. This is who I am. I didn't even mean to be this guy. Lean the public into wants it. me. Lean into it. They want me to be this guy, and I'm this guy. Be the guy. It's who I am. So I'm asking you straight up. You're on the clock, or you got to take one of these two guys, DK Metcalf or Gabe Davis for 2022. That's where we're at. Oh, my That's, gosh. We're talking Gabe Davis, about- wide receiver 22 in underdog best ball. Two spots f- ahead of DK Metcalf, and it is frying people's brains on Twitter. They're like, oh, "Take Gabe Davis or take DK Metcalf." They're freaking out, but that's what's happening. I'll tell you, there's a lot the of sharp fantasy, money. The fantasy god Gabriel Davis. Yes, you're talking him. about the fantasy god, like Gabriel Davis. I swear, if you were just to take a poll 
on on where you have him ranked between Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, yeah. Cooper Cup, and Gabriel Davis. They'd slide him in right right in there somewhere in between those two guys, the way I'm hearing it. Yeah. I I already told you how I feel about DK Metcalf. And look, I'm not trying to buy into the hype of Gabriel Davis, but when I look at the two offenses um, and I look at who are the main targets in those offenses and who's throwing the ball – I'm going to throw my dart at Gabriel Davis over DK Metcalf based on their ADP. I don't like Gabriel Davis's ADP in the 20s. I don't no, like it not. at all. I just want to make that clear. I Somebody who wants to take him at 22, feel free to take him at 22. Yeah. I Go enjoy that. Enjoy your Gabriel Davis shit. <laughs> that is not where I'm going to sit. But I will say this. If I'm choosing between DK Metcalf and Gabriel Davis, I think Gabe Davis is the better choice based on his offense, based on the opportunity. Um, so that's where I'm headed. I love DK Metcalf. I loved him last year. He was a top three receiver for me last year. He did not pan out. Uh, so I just want to make my adoration known. And I'm very hesitant on Gabriel Davis about the love he has. We've seen it time and time again, wherever he jumps on one player and he shits the bed and everyone goes, I don't know why you thought that. And it was like, everybody thought that. Uh, we saw it last year. I'm not going to say that again. But if I'm choosing between DK Metcalf and Gabriel Davis to wrap it all up, I'm going with the fantasy football du jour, the 2022 preseason fantasy MVP, Gabriel Davis. Yeah, it's so good. It's really amazing. I I, I don't know if you may not have seen that. I tweeted out uh, how I acquired because I have more Gabriel Davis than any other player in uh, in fantasy. In, in Dynasty, excuse me. I I, had, I tweeted about Gabriel Davis in Dynasty because he's like my most uh, rostered player. And I think I've got him like in like 11 spots or something like that. And I was just, I had pointed out that like, you because you're talking about him at RB22 in best ball. You got to remember that best ball ADP too has a lot tied to that week 17, um, you know, stack of um you know, Josh Allen and and the the Bills uh, for Week 17. Long story short, you know that that's why he's probably going to be a little bit more expensive in the 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 sharp best ball streets than he will be uh, come redraft time, and certainly more so than he is in dynasty startups right now and or in trade in dynasty right now. He's valued somewhere around RB 35 in dynasty, which I think is fair. That's totally fine. Uh, but obviously, if he hits his RB 22 or, or more ceiling in uh, 2022, his dynasty cost will go up mid season. You know, I've, I've mentioned the floor is basically 2021 Gabriel Davis, but um, the, the ceiling is very, very high. But anyway, I was mentioning, this is how I, I, I acquired him. I'll just read you how I acquired him in each league that I have him. Uh, I drafted him as a rookie at the, in the fifth round, 5.04. Drafted him as a rookie, 4.07. A startup pick, 9.02. That was in 2022. Another 2022 startup pick at 8.01. So that's the most I ever paid for him. Um, a startup pick in 2021, uh, 10.05. So 10th round. Uh, traded him. Traded Cam Newton straight up for him in 2021. That one worked out. Uh <laughs> That one worked out, but 
Oh, I'm, I, I bet whoever you traded that pick is so glad that he is staying anonymous or she is staying anonymous for that pick. That's all I'm going to say. I would totally, totally want to want to roast this person because he's a friend. Um, traded him for a rookie 22 second. I did tell you that that 22 second became James Cook. So I don't know. Still fine. Um, I traded him. This is a fun trade. Darren Waller, Gabe Davis, and Ronald Jones. Obviously, he foisted Ronald Jones. I mean, I don't even want him. I think I then traded him for a a second rounder and James White or something like that. But anyway, Waller, Gabe Davis, and Rojo for Michael Pittman, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Mike Davis, Robert Tanyan, and a 22 second. Really like that trade. Um. Traded him for a 22 second and a 23 third. And then I picked him up twice for zero fab once in 2020 and once actually in 2021, still zero fab. Um, it's crazy. Some leagues, he was just there. So like the, the investment for Gabriel Davis for me has been like, yeah, what, what's the problem? He's going to be great. And, and like, if he has 800 yards and seven touchdowns this year, it'll be like, yeah, yeah, it paid off. So at that value, it pays off, but the ceiling's there. So I'm going to keep riding him. Uh, super, super fun uh, player to to watch. What do you What do you think? What do you think is going to happen for Gabe Davis this year? Like, how's this going to play out? Look, I think I think you're kind of spot on in terms of uh, your what we're talking about here. Where Gabe Davis, he is the second receiver in one of the top offenses in the league. And so when you're talking about the second receiver in the top offense of your league, you're talking about Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs. You're talking about, you know, when you and when you look at when you look at what Buffalo's receivers were able to do last year, Manuel Sanders was a player last yeah. year. He won he won weeks with you. But is he a, a wide receiver too? I don't know if you can say that. And so that's where I feel like you have to kind of you kind of have to do that. Like same thing with Mike Williams, Mike Williams mm. in Los Angeles is the same kind of deal. You're taking a wide receiver Great two job. In offense. And so where is the ceiling on him? And so you're not going to take him. You're going to take him around the same place. If you're, if you're being, you know, rational in your analysis, <laughs> you know, when you look at those top tier wide receivers, you got to look at where, where you're going to sit. And so, you know, Gabriel Davis, I think, Wide receiver two, I think, is a little too lofty. Um, I think yeah. he's a great flex play, and that's and that's where I'd have him in dynasty. You know, he's tied to Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Like how yeah. how high he goes that's, is how long is yeah. Diggs there with Allen? And so yeah. you're it, he's kind of when people talk about ceilings and floor, he's kind of weighted down because there's already a alpha wide receiver in Buffalo. So unless he goes somewhere else, you're always going to yeah. be down. Yeah, it's funny because I uh, I have I did my projections and Gabriel Davis and Mike Williams came out uh, like 0. 0.4 points apart from each other. So I agree. I think that that's kind of what we can anticipate. Um, you know, maybe maybe a thousand yards, maybe not, but maybe ten touchdowns, maybe not. Um, but you know, somewhere in that you know hundred and just over a hundred to somewhere maybe capping out one thirty, one forty targets. You know, more likely one. 10 to 125 targets for the two of them and then just what they can do with them in such prolific offenses. So I totally agree with you. That's about where I have them 
as well. And let's have a little fun. We'll finish off the show. I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you a few, uh, you know, just sort of fun uh, questions. We're going to play, you know, three way. No, not like that. But like, you know, we're going to we're going to choose have you choose between three players for 2022. You got to tell me who you like most out of these three players. You know, you're on the clock at let's say the 1.02 in a in a in a redraft league or one three wherever you're taking these guys, and Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup are staring you down. Which one of those three do you like best in 2022? I'm probably sitting on an island on here, but I don't see Cooper Cup repeating his performance. I look at the guy who has exceeded expectations in two years and is broken the record for best production in his first two years. And so if I'm choosing a guy, I'm choosing Justin Jefferson uh, in that offense with a new offensive coordinator, new head coach, who I can only imagine they're going to feed him the ball even more. And, and so I like Justin Jefferson. I, I like him as a wide receiver one dark horse, well, not really a dark horse because he's probably your second or yeah. third wide receiver off the board. But I still like him as a wide receiver one at the end of the season because he has improved in his first two years. Um, so Justin Jefferson is my guy for, for next year. I think that's a good answer. I like that answer. I mean, it's really tough. You're obviously splitting hairs. But how about the upside play now that DJ Moore has Baker Mayfield? You know, the aforementioned Mike Williams – DJ Moore or Michael Pittman, who's sort of the clear alpha in his offense. Uh, who do you like there? The sort of the wide receiver two with a prolific passer or one of the wide receiver ones with a little bit more muted pass attack? You know, DJ Moore is the only wide receiver who has had 1,200 or more scrimmage yards his first three years in the league. Uh, yeah. Obviously, what's holding him down is the four touchdowns a year. Yep. And I would say, I think the percentages were like a 2% touchdown rate, which are obviously well below the average. So if he just gets average wide receiver receiver touchdown rate and he still continues with that 1,200, you're talking about a top 10 receiver. So I'm choosing DJ Moore in that lineup. I think Baker Mayfield opens the game up for him. And so I think Moore is, is going to finish as a top 10 receiver. Not only is he... Can he be one? I think he is one this year. I think he has like seven or eight touchdowns, maybe even more. Maybe hits double digits because I think the opportunity is there for him this year with Baker Mayfield. Don't forget Baker Mayfield supported two top two, two uh, top twenty four wide receivers with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry in in twenty nineteen. So I think I think it's all there for for Baker Mayfield and DJ Moore to 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 create a connection and get DJ more in the top 10. I like the answer. I like it. How about the guys in new spots? You know, the aforementioned Amari Cooper going at wide receiver 31, a couple guys going just before him or just after him. Juju Smith Schuster and Allen Robinson also find themselves in new locations. <laughs> of course, a Rob and Juju in better spots, but Amari has that, you know, uh, has that uh, pedigree. So out of the three of those guys, who do you like most in 2022? I mean, I'm a big fan of Allen Robinson. I saw what the wide receiver twos did in Los Angeles. First, it was Robert Woods. Then it was Odell Beckham. And I really like, and you could even say Cooper Cup before 2021. Right. 
I I I think Odell. I think uh, Allen Robinson is. You know, people forget it was just a year ago he was a top ten receiver. He was wide receiver seven in Chicago. Uh, yeah. He has been a prolific receiver, and now he goes to an offense with Matt Stafford and and to an offense that was one of the best in the league. Uh, so I like Allen Robinson out of that group. I think he has the potential <laughs> to be a wide receiver one, given what he's done in the past and given how much attention is going to be on Cooper Cup this year. So give me Allen Robinson all day long. It's a great answer. And, you know, Allen Robinson has to has had to endure terrible quarterback play, tracing all the way back to Blake Bortles and even Christian Hackenberg in college. So Allen Robinson will be playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with by a lot. And if you think about Kenny Galladay, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson was awesome, but Matt Stafford got a lot out of him too, was able to throw the ball downfield. He's not afraid to let it go. I think he's going to have a lot of trust with Allen Robinson deep on the outside. So I'm with you. That could be a match made in heaven. I think I'd actually lean Juju here, but I like the A-Rob answer. I really, I really like Juju. I think, you know, with that offense, you know, and the loss of Tyreek Hill, there's going to be a lot of targets. But I just look at what loss – not only you talk about Allen Robinson with Matt Stafford, but the Rams in 2020, you know, if you look at a cumul- cumulative, Allen, uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were both in the, the top 20, I want to say, in terms of production at PPR. Yeah, Cooper Cup was wide receiver 19. Robert Woods was wide receiver 12. And so right. when you're looking at over a, a year long term, uh, there's no there's no reason why both Cooper Cup and Al Robinson could be, you know, in that wide receiver one, wide receiver two range. So I agree with you. I like Juju. I think he is a sleeper given the potential with that offense. But if I'm if I'm going to choose, I, I love Allen Robinson. I love his ADP. I love where he's sitting uh, in that new offense in Los Angeles. Yeah, tons of upside with Allen Robinson, no doubt about it. How about some year two guys, some guys that flashed last year, some with some high pedigree like Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, or Amon Ra St. Brown. Out of those three guys, Amon Ra, Devontae, and Elijah, who do you like most in 2022? So I would say Amon Ra St. St. Brown didn't really come on until Hawkinson got hurt. And DeAndre Swift got hurt. And I feel like in coming into 2021, he's going to be that third target uh, with Hawkinson getting the majority of the targets and DeAndre Swift just a beast out of the backfield. So I can see him taking a backseat uh, to him. And same with Devontae Smith with the signing of A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard still there. Um, their, their propensity to run the ball with that offensive line, I think, I think may limit his potential. So I'm going to go with Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore could I like be this answer. the top – the top target guy in in New York, and I like and I like what they've set up there. I like how they've kind of put those pieces together. So we saw what Elijah Moore could do for an extended period of time. You know, he obviously didn't have the finishing style of of Amon Ra St. Brown uh, that you saw in the fantasy playoffs, but for a good portion in the middle period, Elijah Moore was a top five wide receiver. So I like him in New York. Uh, and and so he could be the top guy. He could be the second guy. But both both Smith and uh, St. Brown, I think, could be third targets uh, in in those in those respective places. I, I like the answer. I think Elijah Moore really showed out last year. And and, you know, I think the only thing holding Elijah Moore back in the minds of fantasy gamers is Garrett Wilson. Let's talk about these three rookies. 
Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, or Chris Olave? Which one of those three guys would you like in 2022? I can't tell you how big a fan I was of Chris Olave until they signed Jarvis Landry. <laughs> and then I got concerned because I'm like, what if Michael Tom- – there's all these videos of Michael Thomas coming back and Jarvis Landry's there now and Chris Olave. But, you know, you look at the other guys, I'm not a big fan of Sky Moore. I don't see him being that guy. I think you look at you look at what has – Kansas City done with those third wide receivers when you talk about Tyree Kill, you talk about Travis Kelsey, and then the next guy. And there's never been anybody who's really stepped up and been a, a consistent fantasy football contributor True. Uh, across the board, whether it's uh, Sammy Watkins, Byron Pingle, um, whoever they put in there, they never really stepped up to the plate. So if I have to choose between those three guys, I – and we talk about Garrett Wilson, and, and 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 I can't really say Garrett Wilson because I just said Elijah Moore, so I'm going to go with Chris Olave. I'm going to yeah. go with that. Wow, all the way back around the barn. I love, I love it. You you know, you know, had me going. I was like, who's he going to say? Who's he going to say? He doesn't like Sky Moore? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, actually. I think it's going to be Chris Olave. I think he's set up. I think they are fully, fully, fully invested in Chris Olave. Uh, they, they've shared that. So, and, what and about, I would say, and I yeah, would say this also. I would say, like when you look at the Saints, who better to learn from than Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas? No doubt, those those two guys, target monsters, both have been wide receiver ones. Um, in Michael Thomas's case, the legitimate wide receiver one. So I, I like, and I like. I think people are sleeping on Jameis Winston. I like, I like what I see in in New Orleans. Love it. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I know uh, my, my boy Evan Silva is all over Chris Olave as well. So uh, now take Chris Olave and put him up against Traylon Burks and Drake London. Which of those three guys do you like in 2022? So I'll just came. I've been saying this all along. I am not a big fan of Traylon Burks. I don't think I think people are expecting too much of him uh, solely because if you look at A.J. Brown, uh, he was one of the most efficient wide receivers in that offense in Tennessee. And you're expecting Burks to just come in and be that efficient, I think, is a fool's errand. So I'm not a big fan of Traylon Burks. I don't, I, I liked Burks coming out. Uh, they say don't draft the the place, draft the talent. And if that's the case, then, yeah, Burks, Burks is a guy I think can grow into that role. But if you're talking about Burks compared to Olave in London, I – I'm a big fan of London. I, I like London a lot. I think with Atlanta, I'm a big fan of Mariota. I think he he is prime for a rebirth. And with Kyle Pitts there, they need another wide receiver to go along with him. And I like and I like Drake London this year. He's my he's my top receiver that I like from this class that I think that I think will produce uh, in that Atlanta offense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's Drake London. Although I think Chris Olave is making a little bit of a case right now. I mean, all these rookies should have uh, you know should be involved. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, no doubt about that. Uh, obviously, Jamison Williams, you know, hurt, injured. We'll have to see when he comes back. Hey, I got one last one for you. Just you had mentioned earlier uh, Nick Chubb, and one of the guys I'm drafting over Nick Chubb. At ADP, they're basically running back 12 and 13 back-to-back is Javante Williams. Sounds like you're Chubb over Javante, or 
2022, who you got, Javante or, or Nick Chubb? In 2022, I I would say I got Chubb. And the only reason yeah. I have that is because I feel like Javante is still got Melvin Gordon there. And I think you're going to see a different offense with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Like, I don't see Javante Williams getting as many targets out of the backfield uh, now that Bridgewater's not throwing him the ball. I think we saw Bridgewater in Carolina feed uh, McCaffrey. We saw the same thing with Javante Williams. And I think with Russell Wilson, you're going to see a different type of quarterback, a different a different different type of uh, average depth of target. So I think Javante Williams suffers there. And he took a backseat to Melvin Gordon in the red zone. And with Melvin Gordon back, I think you might see a more a lean towards uh, Melvin Gordon. I mean, excuse me, Javante Williams in that respect because he's coming into year two and there might be a little bit more trust, but I still think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split. And as good as Javante Williams had almost 1,000 yards on the ground, I think almost close to 500 yards receiving, uh, I just don't see him repeating that many receiving reception yards in 2022. So despite him being a dual back compared to Chubb, I just like Chubb's rushing upside so much more than Javante Williams. Well, there it is. There it is. He's he's dunked on all my favorite players. No, you know, Gabe Davis is a bum. Now you picked Gabe Davis over DK Metcalf, so I gotta say you you are uh, you are welcome back to the podcast any other time. Although this Javante slander won't stand. Um, just kidding. I, I, I know. I, I know. It's I'm a on tough an spot with that. I know. I'm on. An no, it's a with tough that. spot. I I, not, I understand really, it. I know a lot of people love Javante Williams and yeah. I love him too. I just, I've seen Russell Wilson and, and I've seen, and maybe it's the running backs he's had in the past, but I know he likes to throw it through it. He likes to hold the ball, wait for somebody to get open downfield. It's rare that he dumps it off unless it's yeah. a, it's, it's a, it's a pre-planned, yeah. you know, pass. So that's, yeah, exactly. that's my concern. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's all. That's all valid. I, I it's going to be a, a better offense, you would think, obviously, with more touchdowns to be scored. So there is some touchdown upside with Javante, who obviously should be a pretty uh, solid goal line player uh, with that body. So I mean, they both have pretty pretty decent upside. I think Javante is the better pass catcher, which is the only reason I would take him ahead of Chubb. I think they're very similar backs. Otherwise, so hey, man, great podcast. Thanks for coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them about the Fantasy 50. I fucking love that, man. That, it is so well-produced. You did such a great job for us, and it's just awesome. So tell everybody what's going on. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate that. The Fantasy 50 is a project I started a couple of years ago. It was basically me watching the NFL 100 and saying, why don't we have something like that for the Fantasy, uh, fantasy Football? So I started it, interviewed hundreds of fantasy analysts, fans, and created a countdown. So – we are right now at number 35, uh, 34 through 31, or excuse me, 35 to 31 is going to be released later this week. And I would say this, we just released Javante Williams. Uh, and the thing that you were repeating it, and I was like, and it kept going in my head is the, his explosive nature and the yards per touch. And so now I'm starting to second guess myself. But the numbers 35 to 31 are going to be released later this week. But uh, it's a fun project. It gets as many people involved who's in fantasy football as possible. People with hundreds of followers, thousands of followers, the blue check marks. It doesn't matter. If you have a 
if you have something that you want to express, it's all about giving equal voices to as many people as possible. So it's been a fun project and it's going to continue through the summer. Love it. Love it. Yeah, there's a lot going on. You know, Scott Fishbowl, all the stuff coming up should be a lot of fun. This is the greatest time of year. You know, we get to we get to be in drafts and, uh, you know, prognosticate and just sort of wait with that bated breath to to see what actually happens. And yeah, uh, and football season just around to- the corner. Yeah, we don't have to worry about people arguing about handcuffs or yes. you know, you know, victory laps for very, very small, minute things. We get to the, get to see yeah. the victory laps for the big things, like yes. a week one breakout. Like that's yes. like I can't wait, can't wait. Week one, week one is going to be so important for like players like Gabe Davis. You know what I mean? It's just like oh, if Gabe, you? the Gabe Davis week one stat line is pins oh, and needles going to be great. Oh, Pins and needles. Great. Yeah, like the if he world. goes like four targets, one catch for 12 yards, the world will just – I mean, there's certain people who will victory lap that as if he's never going to do anything. And conversely, you know, eight targets, seven catches, 120 and two touchdowns, it's going to be like the biggest I fucking told you so's of all time. It's just so good. It's Let's so good. not forget Corey Davis last year. Blew up the beginning of 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 the season, and people were like, "I've been telling you for years, Corey Davis." (laughs) That that happens every single year, week one for Sammy Watkins. They're like, "See, told you this motherfucker can play," and it's like, "Yeah, Green Bay sleeper, pick him up now before it's too late." Oh yeah, wow, but we're gonna get to Green Bay soon, man. That's that's another team. Not tonight, uh, but you know, uh, on this pod, as I can't wait to to hit up the Sammy Watkins stuff. So good, so awesome. Love, love Aaron Jones. By the way, I've been kind of dunking on Aaron Jones a little bit. I did the uh, Green Bay projections, and like uh, Aaron Jones is like my. It's I'm only so far through the alphabet or whatever, but I'm like he's like in the top five, and I'm like, oh shit. So maybe I'm back in on Aaron Jones, and I'm ready I- for it. I'm ready to hear it. I know you and I can chat all night, but I'll say this. When Devontae Adams was out, wide receiver one was Aaron Jones. So, yeah. yeah. You meant running back uh, one, right? No. I mean wide receiver you meant, one. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yes. He I, was, I, he I thought was that's Aaron Rodgers' yes. top target. Top target, yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. The target, um, the target uh, number is really the number and the way that he gets, or especially in PPR. You know, half PPR and different settings like that little bit more muted, but in a full PPR league, he could absolutely get a hundred targets and absolutely get 80 catches. And, you know, and he's pretty fucking explosive with the ball in his hand. So yeah, it could be a pretty big season for him in that way. Um, you know, he, he, he doesn't need to have too much on the, uh, in the way of rushing yards. He could have, you know, six, seven, 800 yards rushing only. And still, if he can get those 80 to or 80 plus uh, catches, it's a huge, huge season for him. Yeah, if you're talking PPR leagues, that's all it takes, especially if you're if you're that type of type of pro- producer. So, yeah. you know, i i can't wait to I can't wait to listen to podcasts when you get to Green Bay because you know it's hard when you're looking at at Dylan and Jones and seeing how it's going to break out. But they're two totally different skill sets, and I and I think Green Bay's offensive minds always find a way to to get the to get the best out of their guys. Yeah. Yeah, and and Rodgers, I mean, you know, somehow underrated this year coming into this year when he won the MVP last year. So I don't know, man. It, it there's a lot of people wondering what's going to happen. We could see Julio Jones in Green Bay. I'm kind of 
waiting for that to happen before I, you know, go all in with my projections on the team. I suppose, you know, Julio, he's probably only going to play two games and hurt his hamstring anyway, but whatever. What do we know, right? Um, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My pleasure, man. It's been a blast. Thanks for coming on. You're you're awesome. I absolutely love you. Yeah, say what you're going to say. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers made Jordy Nelson – a wide yeah. receiver like to be had, and then yeah. he disappeared once he left Green Bay. Like you guys all selling Aaron Rodgers short, like yeah, like he hasn't made made guys out of nothing before. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like Aaron Rodgers, I, I sure I'll take him. I'll take him late. Like what's what's yeah. what's the harm in that? Yep. Yeah, he's uh, it's it should be pretty interesting, and uh, you know every time he he you know he hits a tab of acid before the game, he's always better that game. <laughs> I you mean, can just tell he's tattoo. out there vibing. Yeah, he's, he's got the new tattoo. I don't, dude. I, he's so I would, vibing. I would like to see the the analytics on people who get new tattoos or new retreats or new new lease on life on how they produce the next season. Because if that's the case, you know, we might have back to back MVP seasons with Aaron Rodgers if he if he if he does this right. Hey, he's like Matthew McConaughey. He's just out there living. L-I-V-I-N, baby. So let let it happen, baby. Uh, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of my absent but still the greatest producer in all the land, Michael P. Duncan, and on behalf of the great Vi Salas, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. <laughs>